This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. Hey, have you heard the news? Inside the Principal's Office has released a book, a best-selling new release on Amazon. This book is perfect for any current or aspiring educational leader. Broken down into 40 weeks, this book is filled with reflections and practical advice from three educational administrators and provides space for reflection to facilitate growth. Join other leaders from around the world who have already ordered their copies to join in on upcoming book studies and workshops. Order your copy on Amazon today. In this episode, I chat with Chuck Moss. He has over 25 years in education, having served as a teacher and administrator at the elementary middle, and high school levels. Chuck currently serves as the Director of Innovation and Development for Dinwiddle County Schools, where he works with staff to bring new ideas to the classroom and create meaningful learning experience for students of all ages. His why is simple. Bring out the best in people so they can bring out the best in others. During our conversation, Chuck talks about leading from a place of experience. In fact, he returned to the classroom so that he could learn about the technology that he now directs in his district. We also dive into a pivotal question for educators. Am I creating learning? Are we developing the systems, processes, and approaches regardless of the environment meaning remote or in-person, that fosters learning? Or are we making excuses for operating in uncomfortable situations? Challenging questions for challenging times. Ready to listen? Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Counter Narrative Podcast. Again, I know this is like the the third episode we've done where it's recorded, um, but this is just so much more fun, so much more exciting. Um, I know that those of you listening to it, you're probably tired of it, but you know maybe maybe you should just go and check out the video version of these uh, as well as the audio. So, but thank you and welcome back. Uh, today I have an amazing guest on my show, an individual that. I will be honest, when I first joined Twitter, I was like, oh, this guy seems amazing. Um, And then he started following me and we were following each other. And I was like, I'm making it in the Twitter world. (laughs) So 
today we have Chuck Moss. Chuck Moss is joining us. I know I told a few friends that you're going to be on the show today, and they were really excited. They had nothing but great things to say about you. So, Chuck, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, who you are, how you got into education, what you're doing now, and maybe the thing that I love the most is something interesting about yourself. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, uh, thank you for the great introduction. And that the way you felt when I followed you is, is the way I felt when Joe Sanfilippo followed me. So I get it. I, I mean, you know, and, and I'm thrilled about that. I'm thrilled with Twitter. Anybody who knows me knows that I, I love Twitter just for the, you know, just, just for the, um, the raw ability to connect and have meaningful connections for that. Now, my role right now, I'm the Director of Innovation and Development for Dinwiddie County Public Schools, uh, and that's in Dinwiddie, Virginia, which is about 25 minutes, maybe uh, southwest of like the, the Tri-Cities area, Petersburg, Colonial Heights, Richmond, all of that stuff. Um, this, uh, let's see, I've been in the county for eight years. I've been in education for 25 years, started out as a middle school English and civics teacher. Uh, loved every minute of that, taught fourth grade for a year because that's where they needed me. And then I got to go back to the same middle school, but I moved from eighth grade to sixth grade. And then later on, I got to be the uh, AP at that same elementary school, followed by the same middle school that was in Louisa County. And uh, while I was there, I just I had a great time uh, just leading teachers and, and connecting with kids. And I, and I realized that while I was able to to connect with people, I wasn't able to really uh, determine the use of technology as being used correctly. So I went back in the classroom for a couple of years, uh, learned how to use a smart board rather than just thinking someone should be using it. Uh, you know, and 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 we, at that point we we're using um, not quite Chromebooks, but you know, laptops were available and that kind of thing. So uh, those those two years taught me an awful lot about leadership and about the technology. One thing it taught me about leadership is, don't give me something in September that I find on my desk in May and you never asked me for again. That, that's not, that, that was not an okay practice. Um, then from there, I came down to Dinwiddie here and um, met uh, someone who, who is now my wife. We, we've made a home together. Uh, she's got three kids, they're my bonus kids. I've got two kids and so, we got kind of a Brady Bunch thing uh, going on there. And an interesting fact about me, um, maybe this. When I was in college, uh, I actually was in talks with Marvel Comics to draw for them, but they wanted me to leave college to head to New York, and I was not willing to do that. So uh, that every kid's dream, you know, to, to draw comics kind of evaporated at that point. But uh you know, I had two different career pathways I could have followed, and I think I followed the right one. <laughs> Wonderful. That is awesome. I, I, I can only imagine, like, you know, the Chuck Moss, you know, characters out there that could have been. But we are we are grateful that you've chosen the pathway of education. Um, you know, I, I was it's interesting whenever I, I connect with people, right? Like you just we were just talking about how, you know, there there's those formal conversations and then the informal, right? Like at the at the conferences, we connect in the hallways. And so as you're sharing now, you met your wife in education, you guys came together, she brought three, you have two, and that is the exact scenario with my wife. I met her in education, she brought three, I have two, the exact same Brady Bunch configuration, so I completely understand. All right, excellent. 
Well, and two of ours, one of hers and one of mine, are both at Virginia Tech right now. So that way it's just one trip and we get to see both kids. And that's fantastic. That is convenient. We only have one in college right now. Three are out and one is still in high school. Uh, oh. So Yeah, yeah. So wonderful. And you know what? I, I want to really point out something you said, because you said there was a leadership lesson. And the one of the things that I pulled out that you mentioned earlier was that before you wanted to step into the role of leading technology, under saying, hey, this is how what we should be doing with the smart board, you said, let me get back into the classroom. Let me do these things hands on so I understand what it's like before I lead others. And I wish that so many other individuals did those exact same things. I don't know how many times I see leaders or directors of programs. And, you know, I'll be honest, we just got one in CPS. No offense, because I don't know him yet, but we'll see. But one of the things they talked about was he was never a teacher. I'm like, you're, you're leading the entire district. I mean, he came up from San Antonio. Apparently things went well down there. But yeah, like to say, I'm going to lead you and show you how to do this thing that I never have actually done. You know, so kudos to you for saying, I want to step back into that space, learn how to do it. So that way I'm bringing not only the knowledge, but there's that credibility as well. So kudos to you. And, and I think that, uh, you know, I've also learned that like when I was a, a principal, being an assistant principal is invaluable, you know, and now that I'm a, a director, I'm able to remember the shoes of a principal, especially right now, because in, in our current world, I don't know that we're ever going to be what we were before what we are now. And I don't think that's entirely a bad thing. I think we have some marvelous opportunities, the use of technology, if nothing else. Um, and the, the realization that in rural areas like the one I'm in, that infrastructure has let us down. And getting the whole community to start having those conversations. Because people have said teachers are important, but what they're realizing more than that learning is important. Teachers facilitate the learning, but the learning can't happen without the right infrastructure, without the right resources and support. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's it, so you're saying something and I'm curious, and maybe this is what we could use to, to jump into this conversation. You know, you, you talked a little bit about, we don't know if things are going to go back. We understand the importance of teachers. You've spent a lot of time in education, more time than I have spent in education. So there are a lot of times now, right, with all the pandemic chaos that is happening, while there were good stories, and I think they started off, right, teachers were heroes, we, you know, we were kind of the spearheading all of these things, right, some of that narrative has shifted. And so I'm curious, what are your thoughts around, or what are some of your experiences around those stories in education that aren't often told? but they are very true to our existence. Well, I, I think going back to what I said earlier, focusing on learning. I can teach all day, but that doesn't mean anybody learned anything. Am I creating learning? And what we're learning, learning, what we're, we're finding is that there are all kinds of different ways to create meaningful learning. Teachers found out last year that, they could create meaningful relationships over the computer. And I think that that, that, cause that was the biggest fear that, well, not the biggest fear, but that I'm huge on relationships. And so that was a big fear for me was that we were going to lose those kind of relationships. But, you know, we, we 
we started seeing teachers doing things like that. And then I, I went in to do an observation of a, uh, a virtual classroom and I was a kid's avatar. So I'm like, okay, you know what? That's great. And then, and then they did all kinds of crazy stuff. Like for Thanksgiving, they put my head on the turkey and that, and that was the avatar, you know, but you start to realize that as long as you're telling your school story, as long as you're letting people know what kind of great things are happening there, as long as you are carrying the banner, I'm going to borrow from, from Jimmy Cassis there, as long as you're carrying the banner forward of your school and for your teachers, you know, those relationships, they, they, they're still real because people know you're authentic. And if they know you're authentic, they know they can have a relationship with you. And we do, uh, last year, we did an eighth grade bridging ceremony. I didn't call it a graduation. I called it a bridging ceremony. Because graduation is a conclusion of something. Yes, yes. You leave eighth grade, you're going to ninth grade. You're not graduating. You're bridging over to the high school. And I had all of these kids that I had never met in person jumped out and said, oh, we saw you on Twitter. We heard your voice on the robocalls. And on, and I had parents who played back messages on their phone that from me that they had kept, you know. And so you realize that the impact you are having goes so, so much further than just the, the moment you get to spend live. You can have that impact because kids look at you and they think to themselves, I want to, that's who I want to be. You know, or that that's, you know, that's what I can be because he believes in me and the teachers were the same way. They believed in those kids because there's no way we could do what we did last year if we didn't believe in each other. Mm, absolutely, Chuck. Absolutely. And, and I love the fact that you call it a bridging ceremony. When, when I first came into my school, I was like, why are we calling it a graduation? They, they're, they're going to school next year. So we, we've started to call it a continuation ceremony. So I love that, mm. you know. Similar. Well, what we did was I, I put our logo on one side of, I, I gave all the kids a sticker. I love stickers, uh, you know, just passing those out, stickers and buttons and things. But I put our logo on one side, then a bridge, you know, kind of si a stylized bridge between them, and then the high school logo on the other side. So literally it was bridging from the middle school to the high school. You know, I like that idea. So in Chicago, things are a little bit different. When you apply to a high school, it's like a college process. So there are so many different uh, high schools that kids could apply to. And there's literally, there's an application that you fill out and you can go to a, a high school for medical or for legal or, you know, a general education. And so, but I love that idea. You know, I, now I'm kind of thinking of Matthew uh, Joseph's book, The Power of Connections. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's like, having our logo in the middle and it's like, Oh, this high school here, this high school there. But anyway, right. <laughs> you get to pick your bridge. My, my brother and his husband live in the Chicago area. And so um, his husband, Ryan is, is kind of versed in education. He's not an educator, but he does a lot of work with students. He, he works in a dojo, manages a dojo. And so uh, he and I are often talking about, you know, the way the school is going in Chicago and whatnot, because the kids that come to him after school have plenty of stories, uh, you know, to share. And they are fresh off the bus when they get to them. So they are willing ready to share them. <laughs> I'm sure there are some great stories there. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, so Chuck, I wanted to touch a little on something you mentioned, because one of the phrases that bothers me a lot 
you know, during the pandemic, and I think it's one of the arguments about why we must remain in schools is this concept of learning loss. Uh-huh. And you just mentioned, right, teachers were building relationships, they were building connections. And so I'm curious about what that experience was like for the educators and the students that you worked with. We talked a little bit about building those relationships, but was there a lot of learning loss in that? Well, and, and I'm, I'm not a person who focuses a lot on data, but data gives me feedback on where we've been. In the area of math and science, we did not perform as well as we have in the past. Um, not even close, actually, in mathematics. In English and history, we did okay. Because how do you deliver English and history content? So often it's through video presentations or, you know, the, that kind of thing. Or, uh, you know, doing some kind of a museum walk, gallery walk, that sort of thing. But math and science are so much more manipulative-based that... I think that that's a shortcoming in our system is the ability to create manipulative systems that are virtual, that are electronic. Um, And a lot of, you know, people say, show your work, and that drives kids crazy. But the reason I want you to show your work is so I know where your thinking went south. And if we're doing something, you know, virtually or electronically, if I'm using Canvas and I'm doing the auto grading, I don't necessarily get to see, hey, what does their thinking look like? I don't get to judge their metacognition metacognitively. How about that? Um, because I don't get to see their thinking on paper. So I think in the area of math and science, which are areas that are enormously important, obviously, you know, um, we, we've got to figure out a way to better get, you know, instruct. Because also, if I'm virtual, it's a whole lot easier for me not to raise my hand. It's a whole lot easier for me to be the kid that, you know, as long as I'm there and answering when my name is called, you know, I'm, I'm good. But, you know, when, when there's a teacher who can circulate the room and see everybody's work and know what they're thinking about, I think that, that, that that's a benefit, obviously. And, you know, one of the things that we're thinking about right now, because, you know, we are still in school. We are not the only school in Virginia. Most Virginia schools are still in. Um, we're not COVID free, but we haven't had situations where COVID's been spread in our schools. Can't say that necessarily for all of the after-school programs or things like that. But I, I, it's so important that we have kids there. And I'm in charge of virtual learning for our district. And today I was going through student by student and looking at their grades and where they were and what was happening. And there are some kids that need to come back to school. And you have to have conversations with their parents because their parents believe they're keeping them safe. And they believe that as fervently. I mean, that that is to the core for a lot of parents. And I, I don't want to step on that, but I've also got to tell them that it's my responsibility to make sure we're teaching your child that they're on our roles. And it looks like we're, we're not. And, you know, it's, it's a school decision to stay virtual or come back. And, uh, you know, sometimes that decision is not one that parents are on board with right away. But I have yet to have a situation where we've had a kid come back and the reaction from the parents long term has been negative. You know, so I, I just think that there are some marvelous virtual opportunities out there. But there's also value in being in front of a teacher who can really know, who can watch your wheels turn, 
or watch them grind to a halt right. and know where they need to intercede. So, you know, Chuck, I, I have to ask. So in having these conversations with some of these parents, and so right now for us, there's no option, right? You, you're either in school or you take your child out and you homeschool them or you do something else, but there's no virtual option um, unless you have a medical what uh, you know condition. So I'm curious, as you're having these conversations with parents and parents are saying, look, I don't feel safe. And I get that. There are many, many parents who are just like, I'm, I'm not ready, um, you know, whether it's because of the vaccine or wherever they may stand. What are some of the conversations you have with them to say, well, if your child is going to be home, right, if they're going to be learning virtually, here are some ways that you can ensure that they're being successful. How can I, as a parent, best support my child when maybe, you know, I got to go to work and, and I'm not at home with them. So I know I tried to have these conversations a lot last year. So I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. Well, um, you know, a lot, a lot of times you have conversations with parents and say, well, I know they're logging on. I'm like, yeah, when you're in the room, because I can look right on here and tell you that your child logged on to the Apex Learning System for 38 seconds on such and such a day and for three minutes and 14 seconds on another day. And I can do the same thing through uh, Virtual Virginia, which is our learning platform that's supported by or nourished by our Department of Education here in, this, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So you're having those conversations about the fact that, hey, you know, part of, part of supporting your child is making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and making sure their focus is where it's supposed to be. Um, and, you know, although we uh, have, you know, parents can get set up with coaching accounts and can monitor their student progress from wherever, if they're at work, Chances are they can't be on their phone or computer monitoring the kid any more than they could be home monitoring them. So, you know, we, but we do have conversations about the importance of monitoring, the importance of sometimes we just invite the student to come, especially in secondary, invite the student to be part of the meeting where we say, this is why we're having this meeting. If this is something you want to do, you've got to do better. You've got to show us that you can do better. And, you know, I, I meet when I meet with parents, sometimes um, maybe I'm too soft because I'll say, okay, I'll give you another week, you know, to kind of see where you are. But our virtual learning started two weeks before our regular uh, school session started. And so because of that, the, you know, the, when, the kids, when the parents are like, well, I don't want my child to come back behind. I'm like, well, they're two weeks ahead. So if they come back now, they have a much better opportunity of being successful with us than if they stay in the virtual program where they weren't logging in or things like that, you know, um, because then the, the the climb just gets worse and worse. And instead of being the climb, it becomes their norm. And that we just, you know, that's, that's what we want to avoid at all costs. Um, but a lot of times, and again, you know, data can be a big thing to be able to say to a parent, here are the stark facts. You know, well, Joseph says that they're uploading their assignments. Well, according to their teacher, this is how many they've uploaded. And, you know, um, we had some kids who were missing um, double digits worth of assignments when I went through today and was checking all this stuff and having conversations with parents and having that, that, that pause where you know what they're trying to decide is whether or not they're going to tell you they didn't know that, you know. 
uh, that that kind of Ferris Bueller moment at nine times, you know, that 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 pause with the with the parent being like, well, you know, and and uh, that's been really eye opening for a lot of parents because they have decided at that point, OK, maybe this is not the right thing or maybe I need to change how I'm supporting my kid. Yeah, you know, it, it's. I, I guess it's an interesting thing, right? We parents have always, well, I didn't want to say always, but oftentimes parents allow their kid to go to school, right? They say, hey, they're they're in your possession now. You know what's better. You're going to kind of guide them through. And I'm going to trust right. you, right? I'm putting my trust in you. And when they're at home, that doesn't really exist. And it's only what I know, what I see. You know, we had students very much in the same way. They would submit like a blank Google Doc, right? So it oh, would yeah. show up. Yeah. Look, no, mm -hmm. I submitted my assignment and the parents are like, oh, okay. But something that we started doing is that we started hosting workshops and classes for parents. Like, this is how you navigate these spaces. This is how you check up on. And right. it really, I think, empowers the parents because you're right. It's it's embarrassing as a parent, right? And even me, I you know, our baby net is now a senior to say, I don't know, or I didn't know how to look into that, or I wasn't sure how to support my child. And right. no parent wants to to be in a position like that. Right. And and it's it's an easy one to get in because you all the way through school it's always been the school's gonna take care of it. Well suddenly the school can't take care of it by themselves. And, and don't get me wrong, we've always tried to empower and, and involve parents. That, that is a single guiding factor in how students perform is how engaged their family can be. But um, now it's not so, it's more than just engagement. It's active participation. And that's just not, I mean, a lot of parents are very frank and say, this is not what I signed up for. I sent them to you. Yeah, you absolutely did. And we, we we did a great job while we had them. We're going to keep on doing a great job, but we need your help while we're doing this. Yeah, it's 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 a whole nother world. And I know, you know, when we talked about coming back, parents were very excited. Uh, they were like, yes, right. please, please, please. Um, and, not, you know, now, now we're back and rolling. And so I'm curious, we, we've talked a little bit about where things are right now. And I know you said, who knows? where things are going to be. But, I, you know, as we get ready to close this out, I'm just curious, in, in Chuck's mind, right, if we talk about what education can and should be, lessons learned, what we can do with this, kind of we, we've already seen, hey, we're, we're back now. In, in Chuck's mind, what would be the ideal situation in an educational space? I, I think that... You know, we've always—I've always been a fan of alternative seating. You know, I was always a teacher who had the couch in the back of the room, or you know, had uh, you know bar stools lined up around the the windows, you know, where kids could sit and that kind of thing. And I think that we need to look at virtual learning. We look at the, at the same way. I am not so much interested in what environment my kid is in. What I'm interested in is what environment. No, what I'm interested in is how I'm creating learning in that environment. That's, that's a better way to say that. Um, and so I think that that's one of the things we really need to focus on. And I come back to that word learning because that's kind of been a theme throughout our conversation. Are we causing learning? And that being the measure of success, not the numbers on a test score, not the, you know, the 
the, the report card at the at the end of the year, the school report card, not all those things. Yes, those are important, but data itself doesn't equal success. Data plus engagement plus learning that equals success. So you know, you, you got to have all those things together. And if we are, if I've got thirty kids sitting in front of me, and they're not learning. Well, then I'm every bit as ineffective as if they couldn't get their computer to turn on and they were trying to get into the virtual virtual classroom. Where are how are we causing learning? And if it's not being caused in a meaningful way, they're going to forget it. There won't be any metacognitive opportunities for them, and we've missed the boat. And I think that we can help our kids learn regardless of the space because of those relationships we talked about the authenticity that we talked about, the meaningfulness that we talked about, you know, and have those high expectations because you don't have to change your expectation just because you're looking on a computer screen. The expectation is still you are going to learn. We're going to effectively address, you know, the standards that I wanted to address today. We're going to you measure the learning. And then I, as a teacher, I'm going to see how I did. And if not, I'm going to circle back to it. I, I've got to be metacognitive because I might need to circle back to help you be metacognitive. Chuck, I, I love the fact that you keep coming back to the concept of learning, right? It's it's about the learning. It doesn't matter how how beautiful your classroom is. And we see all the Pinterest, the TikTok classrooms, right? But if learning isn't happening there, and I, this is the part that when you said it, I was like, oh, you know, you're, you're just as ineffective as if we were on a computer. Right, like in where you're like, ah, this this isn't working. I need them in my classroom. Or if you're still not facilitating learning, it doesn't matter where that space is. Learning is key. And good educators, good teachers are going to facilitate learning, whether it's on a computer screen like we are now, or whether we're sitting in the same space together face to face. And sure, things may look a little bit different from here to there, but good educators, as you just said, understand it's all about facilitating that learning and that's only going to come from as you said right relationships engagement understanding you know the data behind all of those things but at the end of the day it's all about learning well and and one of the things that kind of drove that home for me was very early in my career i went and did an observation in an advanced spanish class and although I had Spanish in high school and in college and whatnot, if we landed in Barcelona, I could not help you find anything. I, you know, that is not, uh, I, I'm not, I don't command the language. Um, but I was able to watch what the teacher did. And the teacher was, a, was instructing, was creating learning. And I didn't have to understand the words to know that. I could watch the way the kids were reacting. I could watch the light bulb moments in their eyes, you know, and, and that more than anything for me really drove home the idea that if you're causing learning, then the environment is secondary. If, because if you can see learning happening, I mean, you can't, that's an administrator's dream to walk into a space and see learning happening. I love it when I walk in a room and the kids don't even notice that I'm there because they're so caught up in what they're doing. My wife's a STEAM teacher, and we just talked about some of the stuff they do in STEAM. Uh, she's at elementary, and I, you know, I, I was at middle school last year, and I'm like, man, my kids would love to do things like that. And you know, that's one of the things that I've been working with our innovation specialists at our. In some divisions, they're called ITRTs, 
but our innovation specialist is kind of talking to them about, you know, hey, more than like a teacher having a problem with a computer, what can you do to help them see the, the great things they can do, the simulations they can do, the connections they can make? Um, I remember one time on Twitter watching a teacher ask a question in science class and Neil deGrasse Tyson's Twitter account answered. Now, I don't know if it was him, but it had that little blue circle with a check mark in it. Yeah. And I'm like, you're, you're asking not an expert, the expert. Um, and they're answering you, you know, and they didn't tag him. He just came across the question, what probably while he was, you know, at lunch and decided he was going to respond to the question, uh, you know, and that again, <laughs> you couldn't ask for a better environment. And that was just because of who was leading the learning at that moment. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know how I would respond if, if that happened. You know, I've been throwing LeVar Burton's name out into the universe. So I'm oh, going to yeah. take this opportunity to do it again. So, LeVar, you know, if you're if you're listening. <laughs> you should tag him. I should. <laughs> you I know? Should. I, I have to mention his name so that way I could tag him. And then he's like, wait, he mentioned me at the very end just so I could listen to the whole thing. Like, yeah, sorry, I trapped you. So, Well, and, and really, what is a better learning thing? than to give people a hook that keeps them in, uh, involved until the end of the lesson. That right there. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic, man. <laughs> well, Chuck, it has been a pleasure. I, I've loved being able to connect with you. These, these are so much better than Twitter chats and all those other things. So um, I'm sure that people listening are like, hey, I want to learn from Chuck. I want to be able to connect with him. And, and, and here's some more of the amazing work he's doing because we, we didn't even really touch on some of the awesomeness that you are doing, like in your workspace. We we're just having that conversation. So how can people find you and connect with you? The, the main way is through Twitter. And my Twitter handle is DCPS Moss. That's Dinwiddie County Public Schools Moss. Um, and that, that's the best way to connect with me. Um, because if I uh, write something on my blog, I'll put a link, you know, pin it to the top of my Twitter account or something like that. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, but Twitter is my A number one. Twitter is where the learning happens. Um, Instagram is where I show you pictures of things I'm kind of proud of. And Facebook is where you have to sort through everybody's story to find the one you want to know. Um, so I, I feel like that, that my, my most comfortable space is Twitter. Um, I learned something the other day, not to call it a safe space, but call it a brave space. That's right. Because I don't want you to stay safe. I want you to be brave. I want you to take that step out. So I, I learned that that's, that has nothing to do with Twitter. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, um, no, I love it. But, uh, but yeah, Twitter is the number one way to contact me. Well, thank you. And, I, and I'm hoping that people who are watching or who are listening will step into those brave spaces and have those brave conversations and then take them back to their safe spaces. Right. And so that they could flow and lead, and lead into others so that way they can continue to grow and, and it continues to happen. So, Chuck, uh, you know, as always, I, I just want to say thank you not only for being on the show and being in a guest on here, but thank you for just the amazing work that you're doing and that you're contributing to education. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, th thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for, uh, you know, giving me a microphone to uh, spread a message a little bit. And, um, you know, I feel about you the way you feel about me. I, I am amazed by the things that you're doing on Twitter 
um, because it's once you get in there, you can't help yourself, you know, because you connect with people and you start to realize that there are so many stories out there that you want to be a part of and you want to help people, uh, you know, vocalize your story out to the world. So for that, I, I am truly grateful to you and I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk with you tonight. Well, I appreciate it. And I look forward to continuing to connect with you and viewers, listeners. I look forward to catching you on our next episode. And just one last time, LeVar Burton, if you're watching or listening, I hope to connect. All right. You take care, Chuck. All right. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, and of course, share it with friends and family. I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please leave a comment or two as well. Now, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but the show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care. <laughs>